Hello, my name is Sam Clement and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a picture house podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. We are recording this in the middle of the awards corridor 2023. There are so many amazing films in cinemas right now, and one of them being in the title of this episode is Todd Field's Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, Nina Hoss, Mark Strong, a really wonderful cast and, and really a wonderful film. I've been so excited for this film coming out. If you're on social media, you may have seen the, the buzz, the chatter, the memes even. Uh, this film is uh, definitely, uh, there's a lot of hype around this film. There's a, there's a big sort of following to this film and it's opened in other countries a little before the UK, but it's finally here in Picturehouse Cinemas on the 13th of January. And to celebrate the release, Picturehouse Central, our flagship cinema in London, West End hosted the UK premiere of Tar and, and the cast were in attendance including Kate Blanchett and, and everyone else we we just mentioned in, and director and writer Todd Field so whilst Todd was in town literally just before the UK premiere I uh, I had a quick chat with him we sat down with our microphones and got to uh, got to hear more about how he made this film so hope you enjoy our chat and if you do I highly recommend checking out tar it's uh, it's a big screen film we we talk about this a little in the interview but it's definitely a big screen film i've seen it twice in the cinemas right now and uh, at time of recording i'm about to go uh, and watch my third screening of it so if that's not an endorsement i don't know what is uh, without further ado enjoy my chat with todd field writer and director of tar if you're here then you already know who she is Lydia Tarr is many things. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. You've got to supplement yourself, your ego, and yes, your identity. Welcome to the Pitch House podcast, Todd Field, director of TAR, writer and director of TAR, I should say. I don't know, as host of the podcast, if I should sort of be super expressive of my opinion, but I've seen TAR twice now. I'm going to go and watch it again tonight. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you, but it's also a pleasure to actually have this film opening in, in UK cinemas. We're, we're really excited to be playing this film from Friday the 13th of January. So wel- welcome to London, Todd. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, and, and thank you for, for buying a ticket, although I, I assume that, that you get in for free. <laughs> but um, I, I'm, thrilled. I'm thrilled that the film is here, and I'm, I'm very, very happy that it, it's playing specifically at Picture House. Was was cinema? I guess we're sort of jumping a little bit ahead uh, off the film, but you know, the, the film is living in cinemas at the moment. Was was cinema sort of the the ultimate goal for you for this film? Is is the cinema experience something that means a lot to you? Yeah, indeed. I mean, this film um, uh, was made for the cinema. Um, it was lensed for the cinema, not for a small screen. And the sound was built because a big part of this film, if you see it, is a, a, a obviously. It concerns concert music. There's the musical part of it, but but the sound design in it is fairly specific. And it had my UK sound team, headed by Stephen Griffiths, went to great extents over many many months. And it was a a two month mix in and out of Abbey Road and in and out of Dolby Soho. And so we went to a lot of expense and 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 a lot of sweat to try to make it a totally immersive experience. And so it's meant to meant to live in the cinema. Oh, that's in, that's incredible to hear, and, and and what a period for sound mixing as well. That's uh, 
two incredible spaces uh, to use and uh, and you know two months sounds like a you know that's a that's a chunky amount of time <laughs> yeah it was a fair amount of time and we would we would mix in the mornings at abbey and then we would prove our reels over at dolby because dolby's a the most unforgiving uh theater I- on the planet it's known for that but what's great about it is that if 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 you have the balance and you have and, and you have the mix the way you want it and if it will play at dolby soho it will play anywhere mm. That must give you a sense of reassurance, you know. Okay, <laughs> it's passed the test. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a big test. I mm. mean, that's a that's a really horrifying room if 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 you don't have your ducks lined up. Oh, nice. Well, the uh, the cinema you'll be at later has got Dolby Atmos uh, speaker setup, so we'll, right. we'll be able to experience it <laughs> in all its glory. There, I, I, I do think like it is one of the most cinematic films I've seen all year, and we've you know come out of a, a year of amazing sort of blockbusters and lots of sort of action spectacle. I think the way the film fills the frame, and we even see it on the poster, like the poster feels the uh, fills the you know the it's pushing the, the, the edge of the frame, <laughs> whether yeah. it's landscape or portrait, and I love that, and that's that's really representative of of the film. It's it looks wonderful, and and second time around, I was really appreciating you know the sort of the staging and the the sort of blocking and, ev- and everything. Well, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah, I, I mean uh, that was something that Florian Hofmeister and I worked very hard on, which is. Um, on the compositions and on the balance and um and 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 that feeling that feeling of a of a you know the contrast between very very empty um sort of third frames and and then things were they're very very crowded and as you point out that sort of 18 millimeter you know low dramatic shot on kate that uh, is from the the film uh the first time that she's conducting that she was done the on the one sheet uh, that idea that she's stretching, you know, mm. I, I, if not like an eagle, but then like Icarus, you know. <laughs> yeah, corner to corner. And uh, yeah, in the film, it's either you know, arms spread out or huge concert halls or very empty apartment spaces. Yeah. And people, you know, seeing the full body in frame, which you don't often see, you know, having that sort of quite wide shot. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, our camera operator, uh, uh, Daniel Bishop, who's uh, from London, who had come in and and had just come off of Edward Berger's film, All Quiet on the Western oh, wow. Front. Uh, Danny kept saying, aren't we too wide? And I'd say, no, this is, a, this is a movie, Danny. And he'd say, yeah, but are you sure you want to be this wide? I was like, yes, we want people to see this in the theater. This isn't meant for television. And he said, okay. <laughs> it took a while to get used to it. And I understand that because I think that people are used to shooting much tighter fields now because, because they have to because they have Netflix and you know, and Amazon and all that stuff. Yeah, it really sort of struck me. I just, the second time around, I was just sort of drinking it all in, you know, knowing what to expect and, and appreciating all the sort of details in and around the story. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, um, we were very lucky because um, Marco Bittnerasha, our production designer, um, you know, really was tasked with some v- a very tall order in terms of uh, different spaces and architectural spaces. And we spent three months in the back of a car, uh, Marco, Florian, and Sebastian, Far Bricks, my co-producer and first AD, scouting for those locations. And, you know, they, they sort of demand to dwarf human beings, mm. you know, just, and, and that's what a concert hall will do. You know, that's what a, a very grand apartment will do. It's a, that's what a church will do, you know. And that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to make to put you in proportion and mm. put you in your place and, and think about uh, your your situation in the grand scheme of things. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before. So that we can feel inspired. 
Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. You know, this is a, a screenplay that you've written uh, as well as a film that you've directed. Uh, when did this sort of process start to you? What was the, the, the jumping off point for the screenplay for Tara? Um, well, I had a character that I had been thinking about for a number of years with no place to put her because I'm tasked with writing always based on other people's intellectual property. Um, that's typically how it works in Hollywood. And at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, uh, the studio came to me with this idea vaguely of uh, we want to do something about classical music with a conductor. And uh, I said, okay, I have an idea, but I can't tell you what it is and they said okay fine just go off and do whatever you like so Lydia Tarr you know had been sitting there for a while and I got to put her on a podium and 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 sort of build this world around her um and and that's sort of how it started what was it about that character that stayed with you you know during this time when you didn't quite have a, a home to place her I think she reminded me of some people that I had encountered over the years is uh, is classical music or, or that sort of scene something that you're you're familiar with? I uh, no, I mean people that you know. I work in the film business. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see, I see. That's cool. I, I just wonder because I I I know nothing about classical music, but it all felt you know very believable and authentic, and I could imagine that that's what that institution you know might be like, and and a place where egos may well, live. I, you I know? don't I I don't think that any milieu is immune from power and that's what this thing is really about it's not really about classical music it's mm. not really about conducting i mean those are interesting things mm. and they're interesting things to learn about and, and listen to an experience but this is really a rehearsal film it's more about process like how do people make things how do people accommodate each other or not mm. but mostly it's about power mm. it's about power and it's about the three-dimensional nature of power uh the pyramid of power and what are the cornerstones of power that support the person sitting at the tippy tippy top the point of that and how do those cornerstones benefit and why do they stay in place mm. because obviously there's some kind of residual power that's received from them so there's a complicity in that that's what interested me which is to have a character that is become obsessed with power mm. that feeds on power but is also has all these little pilot fish around them that enables them to be the big whale right yeah. So there's there's it, there's a two-way street there. Nobody's guilty completely. Nobody's innocent. Everybody is corrupted by trying to hold on to this thing. And I think in that way, uh, that's what I was excited about with having a character, walking a character around like that in that kind of world and sort of taking a look at, at the thing itself, which is not a human being. Mm. It's not gendered. There is no race. It's just power. Like, And if you hand power to anyone, even if it's a, a you know, the the head hen in a, in a in a chicken coop they're going to peck another chicken to death unless you remove them from that coop it's mm. just unfortunately that's how how uh, how creatures are are built on this planet which is um, uh, can be very unsettling <laughs> I think the um, yeah that exploration of the, the world that that Lydia Tar lives in is is really fascinating and I I love the opening scene her on stage you know big in depth interview about her life it's such a good way to set up the the public perception of that figure before we sort of see the woman behind uh, that was was that quite a fun scene to write because I, I was sort of like 
was it, 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 it was a fun yeah. scene to write because there's a lot there are a couple of things going on in that scene one is that it's very clear when you see Noemi Merlant you know mouthing uh, Adam Gopnik as he's that he's trotting out something that was written by Noemi Merlant's character and Kate Blanchett's character Lydia Tarr and probably a publicist I mean that he's just dutifully saying whatever they give him you know um, that there's a performance element involved but mostly but what what's exciting for me about that scene is so you have this character that has is playing a character that she's constructed and she's playing that character for us from the beginning the way that anyone does in an interview situation mm. you know you're sitting there. You're sitting. We're sitting here right now. I'm trying to sound intelligent. I'm trying to sound charming. I'm trying to sound not like an asshole, right? And um, and that's what she's doing too. So you learn a lot by watching someone very carefully in a, in an interview situation because it's so performative. And there is and and it's such a transaction. I mean, you and I are in a transaction right now. We both have jobs to do, right? Um, and and by the end of that scene because of the level of skill of both adam but especially of kate mm -hmm. you believe she's a real person you believe because we all recognize that we've sat in those kinds of halls and we've listened to people in 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 conversation and that's what it feels like so for me like you know when monica willie and i by the time we got to the end of that first scene it's like she had us mm. and we we weren't talking about kate anymore we were talking about lydia tar so uh, the reaction that people have thinking that perhaps it was based on someone, a real person, or that that character is real, you know, is gigantically um, satisfying, obviously, but, but it's also not that surprising to me. No, totally. I mean, yeah, the, the performance there is wonderful from both on stage, but um, it, it's so, I think it's such a good way for the audience to get into the world of Lydia Tarr, and I'm believing the hype, you know, in, in the first 10 minutes of the right. movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's <laughs> sung and she's touted and yeah, and so everyone I'm laughs at her jokes and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then I love how the film, you know, sort of breaks that down as, as we go along and we sort of see the machine behind the persona and, and it's such a, it's such a great idea for a, for a story. I, I, I just, it's got under my skin as you can probably tell, but um, I, it's, it's such a good way to kick a film off. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that. And I'm, and I, I'm, because as you might imagine, a lot of people uh, question that. It's, you know, it's a very talky scene. Mm. You know? But there's also, I mean, like we were talking about the spectacle of the film earlier. Yes, it's you know the framing is wonderful, the music sounds incredible. I, it's gripping. It's really gripping to see two actors, especially, just talk for ten minutes. You don't often see that in modern cinema, and I think that's that adds, you know that's part of the cinematic experience of this film. Just seeing two really great performances you know, really get into it. Yeah, <laughs> the, well, there. yeah, I mean, there's a there's an awful lot of conversation at the beginning of the film, especially, um, and there's an awful lot of conversation, and then there's some, so there's the first three scenes are, are quite long. There's the first scene with Adam, which, you know, runs, you know, 10 minutes, and then there's a sc long scene with Mark Strong's character mm -hmm. who plays her sort of um, patron and uh, you know, investment banker, you know, amateur conductor, and that's a, you know, again, that's a, I don't know, eight-minute scene. And then there's this long classroom scene, which is 10-minute scene. So in three scenes, we are 40 minutes into the movie. And then, of course, there's some very long scenes between her and, and the incomparable Julian Glover, mm -hmm. you know. And, and those scenes I... I I could lean into all day because they're so wonderful together. You know? yeah, just putting two great sort of players next to each other. Absolutely. And absolutely going for it. When, yeah. when you have those long scenes, what's, what's shooting like? like? How long does it take to, to shoot sort of the opening or, or the conversation with Mark Strong? Well, I mean, uh, I think 
You mean how long did we take to just, shoot just, it? Um, yeah, just one sort of wonder: is that over multiple days, or is that you know what, what's the? Well, the scene with Adam, because there were so many other people involved, I think I, I may be. I'm, I think we shot that over two days. See, the scene with Mark Strong in the restaurant that was one day. The scenes with Julian were s were not two full days; they were two half days because we had to do other things in the second mm -hmm. half of the days. But and the scene at Juilliard, we allowed two days to shoot that. We had it on day one on the morning and the very first take, and uh, there was a technical hiccup at the very end of the shot. So we chased it for another for that day and the rest of the day, and we got it on the end of the very last day. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite impressive to you know cover off eight minutes of the final movie and sort of one day's worth of shooting. It's quite an efficient <laughs> uh, process, even though a lot of work goes into it leading up to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, the cast is wonderful. Kate Blanchett, you know, deserves the plaudits, and, and her performance is so gripping. But the supporting cast as well, Nina Hoss especially, is is, is truly wonderful. I, I, I guess before we get onto Kate, how did you, you know, get those, you know, get the Mark Strongs and, and the Nina Hosses? How did you find them uh, for the movie? Well, uh, let me start with Mark. I mean, uh, Mark Strong, I knew because Daniel Craig, when I was working, uh, when we were working together. Uh, Mark was doing Ivo Van Hove's uh, adaptation of uh, View from a Bridge on Broadway, and Daniel encouraged me to go see Mark on in that play, and, and I'm and I'm so glad he did. I, I just one of the great great stage performances, just a remarkable performance. Um, great great actor, great physical actor, and um, and I had remembered that, and I, I thought I I probably he'll probably never want to do this, you know, because it's a it's a it's a really fun role, but it's a small role, and Mark's a very busy working actor. But I sent him the script, and he and he agreed mm. right away, which was fantastic. Um, and he was just a pleasure pleasure to to work with. Noemi Merlon, I had seen, of course, and like the rest of us, in in you know, um, uh, Portrait of a of a Woman on Fire, and called her up, and she had read the script, and we had a very nice chat, and she agreed to do it just a magnificent actor just a, a really exciting actor that just is the tiniest tiniest things was a whole epic story in in three glances from her uh nina haas um kate and i had both once we started talking about other cast the first role that we talked about was sharon goodnow who was going to play her wife the concertmaster of the orchestra and we both at the same moment said Nina Haas, you know, Jinx, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> and, 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 and so I, so I said, okay, but she said, well, you, you, you better, are you going to call her? <laughs> you know? And now Nina, you know, as anyone who knows Nina Haas's work, you know, she's one of the greatest actors on the planet and is really just one of those, again, like a generational actor, you know, and I'd seen all of her work with Christian Petzold. I'd seen, this film that she did with Ina Weiss, uh, um, the audition uh, where she plays this violinist, uh, uh, this teacher who has kind of suffered some kind of PTSD and is having problems performing. So I sent her the script, and um, she and we set a call, and you know my palms were sweaty, and <laughs> and she said I'll do it, but there's just this one little thing I think you might do differently, and I said okay, what is that? And that became a very long, rich conversation that then expanded between Nina and Kate and myself and really carried out throughout the, the entire production. She was a, uh, she brought 
much like Noemi, um, I mean, Noemi's character is sort of the audience's way, and we see Lydia through her eyes. She leaves, and we really see Lydia the most through Sharon Goodnow's eyes, through Nina Haas's eyes. Um, and again, what eyes? I mean, <laughs> Nina Haas can can do <laughs> amazing things with seemingly effortlessly. So that that was a very, very, very rich experience, and you know, both Kate and Nina are incredible stage actors and have very similar training in terms of background. And I got very lucky because while we were waiting, because I wanted to shoot in the November weather corridor and we were going to miss it. And Florian and I had decided we would start inside in September and that we would work our way until we could finally sneak outside to get November and point toward the windows like in her Charlottenburg apartment, her old apartment. Mm. But while that was going on, Kate made two other films, one of which was in Budapest, and Kate and Nina happened to be staying in the same hotel, working there at the same time. Wow. So they actually <laughs> stumbled on each other and got to talking, which was great. And they became, uh, they had a wonderful rapport with one another. So they were kind of just the perfect, perfect match in terms of um, a couple. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough about, about working with them. I'd, I'd love to do do something else with them together. They're incredible uh, together. I'm a big fan of Nina Hoss. It's nice to see her sort of in this. Also a big fan of Mark Strong, and, and I don't think he sort of, you know, he does so much work, often in quite small roles. It's nice to see him in a little bit of a meteor role here. He's got some really great scenes with Kate, and, you know, we're in London. It feels right to champion Mark. <laughs> well, <laughs> and Mark and Julian Glover and Alan Corduner, you know. I mean, Alan Corduner is one of the great, great, great stage actors and uh, obviously he's done incredible work with Mike Lee like in Topsy Turvy Mm. Gilbert and Sullivan film and also happens to be one of my favorite human beings on earth and I've known him for almost 40 years so um, the fact that he agreed to come in and play a really important role but but you know just a few scenes for me I was very very touched and um, and he's just just a really special actor and and Julian you know Julian arrived Julian, I think Julian's 87 now. He was 86 when he arrived. And he is just a, has so much power mm. at his fingertips. And those are long scenes. Mm. Um, and he never went up once. I mean, he absolutely, I want, I, I, you know, it's the kind of thing where you meet someone like Julian and you say, I hope that I'm as sharp as, as Julian is at 86, and you think, well, I'm not as sharp as that now. It sounds like a really good sort of company of, of, of actors there. And, of course, you've got Kate at the center of it all. I just, um, with Kate, you know, were you writing with someone in mind, or, or how did Kate sort of come into into? I had met I'd met Kate 10 years previously on a project that I had written uh, together with with Joan Didion and Joan and I really wanted Kate in this role and she agreed to play it and we had a long meeting ultimately the project didn't happen but I was sort of scalded by that meeting uh, in the way you anyone is that sits with Kate Blanchett because she's truly one of the great public intellectuals she's has just extraordinary intellectual capacity and but an emotional maturity and a and a and just a one of the deepest souls she'll ever come across and and sort of unbearably humble um so you know aside from what's manifest as her what we all know is the fact that she's one of the greatest actors who's ever lived she also is a 
filmmaker in her own right, and she truly looks at material like a filmmaker. She's not just concerned about her role. She wants, she's concerned about the thing, the it. And so that's a really special dialogue to be in with someone. And I was really disappointed that the thing with Joan Didion didn't happen. So when I started writing the script, I, I never, ever write for an actor because if I'm thinking about an actor, mm. it's probably based on something I've seen them do previously, which would be reductive and insulting to them, but also probably not so good for the project itself. Uh, but in this case, for whatever reason, I sat down to start working on this material and Kate sort of appeared on my desk, you know, and she just never went away, you know, so I would sort of say hello, Kate, every morning, you know, and she'd kind of nod at me. And um, it, meanwhile, she had no idea I was writing the script for her. And when I finished it, I was somewhat horrified because I thought, oh, no, now I have to show it to her. And what if she says no? Because if she says no, I'm not making it, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look what happened. I mean, she, she said yes, and, and how lucky, how lucky we all are that she did. I mean, it's just, it's tremendous what, what she's accomplished. Absolutely. Well, I think everybody in, involved, it's a, it's a huge achievement from, you know, the technical behind the scenes to the performances in front of the camera and the screenplay. It's wonderful, wonderful work. Thank you so much, Todd, for your time today and for this film playing in Picture House Cinemas this week. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.